0: They're like, yeah. Oh my god, should I do a PhD? Should I? get No, no Linda, don't do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she not lose anything from three years.
0: With Kay today, we'll be talking about her experience with her PhD, studying the opportunities post PhD, and how she's found it, and how the job market is treating her since then. So first things first, hi Kay.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good, thank you, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm great, I'm great, I'm excited to
0: be here. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I think we've spoken about your PhD a bit before, but now we get a chance to really like dive into it a lot more, so bear with me, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions.
1: <laughs> That's fine.
0: Okay, so first things first, what did you study and where did you study?
1: Okay, I studied a PhD in molecular biology and that involved investigating vitamin D receptor and how when it's activated, it induces a certain group of genes known as UGT1A genes. And these genes are very much potent as uh, drug metabolizing enzymes.
0: Have you always been interested in drug development or is this something that you developed throughout your bachelors?
1: Um, I've always been interested in that. I think that's one aspect that I've really admired as a scientist or among scientist. And I genuinely loved um, pharmacology modules at university and I really wanted to go down that route. But unfortunately, as an undergraduate, uh, many of these opportunities are very much limited in terms of being a scientist in one of these big companies. They really generally look for people who are highly skilled experts in something because they are Very much a business changer. So, for me personally, I was very much challenged to complete a PhD and then divert towards that region.
0: That's actually a really good place to start. So, for those that sort of don't know your trajectory, can you tell us what you studied at university and how that led you to studying this at your PhD?
1: Ah, right. So I studied biomedical science, as everybody does. (laughs) But yeah, I really loved the course, so I ended up doing a sandwich year as well, where I gained a year's worth of laboratory experience. Following that, I then worked in diagnostic laboratories for about two years, and that gave me exposure within the laboratory and how it's run. However, I did want to challenge myself a bit more. That's why I then went on further to um, study this PhD that I did, and didn't need a master's degree as I already acquired the relevant skills and experience for me to
0: complete that. I love that and that's something that really surprised me when you first said that you didn't go for the masters and you went straight to a PhD because I was under the assumption and I, I hope I'm not the only one here that thought that you had to go bachelor's, master's, PhD like that's the only route into it but you can use your experience to substitute for your master's education how were you able to use that in your application then when applying for your PhD Uh, so
1: when applying for a PhD from my from my experience anyway it was like applying for a job so I went through the whole process of interview and I had to sell myself Mm. and I sold myself based off of the laboratory skills that I gained throughout the years. And so I felt like I would never have gotten this opportunity had I not completed my sandwich year as well as worked in the laboratory prior to my PhD. And so I think that many people think that you need a master's degree or so, but then I think for me, what's important is the relevant experience And once your supervisors or your interviewers know that you're able to um, conduct certain experiments or you understand certain methodologies or approaches I think that puts you at advantage than someone who's just studied a master's degree who's just gone for lectures and bear in mind universities offer very limited practical exposure or practical experiment exposure so I think for me going into industry is much much more valuable than completing a master's degree if you are to then venture on to a PhD that's from my experience though
0: no, 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 thank you for sharing that um, and I think that's very useful and I, I just think it's very good to just have that out there. How long was your PhD? It was exactly three years. Three years, that's not bad, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> i yeah. excited about it. Um, where did you yeah. study again? And
1: I don't think we've shared that yet. Uh, I was at State um, University in Corain, somewhere up there in Northern Ireland. Very random, I know. <laughs> random
0: but beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's really lovely, it's really lovely. Everybody should visit Northern Ireland at some point.
0: I'm going to vouch for that as well. Um, yeah. I went out to visit Kay there, and it is far, I'm not going to lie to you, it is very far. Yeah. But, absolutely stunning, and if you are Game of Thrones fan, there is a Game of Thrones tour, which is incredible, and the clothes yeah. are real and it's just stunning I want to go back but she's finished and she's moved back to the UK now well to England Yay. and we'll have to make a proper trip out of it once everything sort of clears up
1: yeah in though. yeah
0: oh definitely
1: <laughs> so what
0: attracted you to research then like where did that love for diving into those questions come from
1: I mean I'm someone who just genuinely likes to be challenged mm-hmm. so um when I was working in the diagnostic laboratories, it was mainly routine for me, and I just couldn't see myself being stuck within that space or doing that routine for so many number of years. And I wanted to really contribute towards this field of science and the only way you can contribute uniquely is by answering questions that have never been answered before and so that opportunity you can only get when you're doing your PhD and so for me that was was it.
0: Okay so thinking about that journey then from your bachelor's to your PhD, those are very different forms of studies and experiences I would assume so what would you say are the like, three main big differences between
1: your bachelor's and your
0: phd
1: uh, for your bachelor's degree you're very much i would say dependent so you have this structured timetable you know what time you're going to go in for the lecture you've got exams and tests and all that and yeah you're very much dependent on the university system and reminders however with the phd You are, you have to be self driven, you are driving your own project essentially, especially if your supervisor is really not not as involved and you get that chance to also explore. I can't even count how many times i failed experiments and then I went back on to redo them until I really, really mastered them. So you get that opportunity to really learn how to do certain experiments, you know, and you get to travel the world, I've travelled um, in as far as Barcelona and the United States to present my findings and I got to meet really amazing scientists there and shared my ideas and yeah we exchanged ideas and some of which I used within my project as well.
0: Oh that's amazing, thank you. You know when you say you got off to present, um, what came to mind is, I don't know if you watch Friends?
1: No I don't watch Friends, I'm sorry, I'm not a fan. <laughs>
0: that's controversial i'm I'm keeping it in but no there's like they always show this kind of scene in a lot of different shows you always have that scene where there's a conference you know and there's like the scientific studious person who goes off and everyone assumes that they're really boring but how did you find them because i'd imagine if you are really interested in the topics it's a great experience to learn and to network
1: so i really really like the conferences I was really looking forward to it and I love travelling so that was a bonus however I was super nervous when I was presenting initially but I got used to it because I I was always scared that I would have some really difficult scientific questions but Mm. that was all fine that was all great for me it was an amazing experience everybody was supportive during my presentation and got to make friends sorry
0: no no I thought you were I was gonna say, like that makes sense though, because I'm sure that they remember what it feels like to be up there. Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) Everybody's gone through the same process.
0: Mm, Exactly. I love that. You've closed off the door now. You finished your PhD. What does next steps look like? What are the real opportunities that you considered?
1: So because I have such vast experience in the lab in molecular biology could say, so I had a lot of opportunities, particularly with the pandemic being on. Like I'm working in a testing service, so I did that for about two months post completing my PhD. And I also got an opportunity to work with an amazing huge organization that was developing a vaccine using tobacco plants and that successfully went through to preclinical trials and that's where we are right now however i've since left that role ah so where are you now so now i've just secured a role within a new startup science um, company that develops therapeutics for veterinary medicine
0: i love that in just this few space of time you've got a really good experience and you've got that big company role but then you also got this startup are there any standout differences that you've found
1: so far I mean with a with large company it's already established so you're pretty much going in there following on what other people have been doing whereas right now in this new startup, well, I've only just started working there but already I have so much more responsibility as well as having to set up the laboratory myself or I mean with the team but being mm. hands-on setting up the laboratory itself it's given me much more autonomy and as well as being in a small team has its own advantages. I have more skills to gain, as well as the opportunities to move up are far much greater.
0: So when it comes to looking for a job then, when you are moving from this big established company and you move to your startup, what does that look like? Is it through LinkedIn? Is it through personal references? What does the process look like?
1: So, this was initially directed to me by a, a recruiting agency. So, um, it was quite easy for me because I'd already uploaded my CV on the um, CV library, mm. as you know, and so they reached out to me based on my skills and experience and they organised an interview with me with the startup uh, company. And so, then I took it from there, had two interviews and then um, finally got an offer.
0: Can we talk about the interview process a bit because yeah. we've spoken a bit about it before but yeah. it's very extensive and I would just love for you to share what they required you to do and what they expected you to present and all of those things if you can.
1: Alright, uh, um, yes. Yeah. Um, I must say though with the startup company, the interview process is quite intense only because they don't want to hire someone who would cost them a lot of money. Mm. <laughs> initially so um, they're very very careful about that step one my first interview comprised of a phone call mm-hmm. and that was about five ten minutes just to let them you know about my background um in science what i've studied and my um, experience in molecular biology
0: step two
1: then i successfully got a call back then for um a face-to-face interview but rather than face-to-face obviously we're working virtually mm-hmm. so it was a team and that was a five minute presentation on any data that i've produced and just another five minutes of questioning on my background and uh, myself personally
0: In step three
1: successfully went through that as well and then the last interview for me i found it very intense because i was wondering what exactly are they looking for now <laughs> So I went through another grilling moment of 20 minutes of a presentation on my data, an extensive overview of any project that I'd done. And that was followed by a series of questions by the CEO himself and various senior scientists who were already working there. I guess they were looking for something very specific, and that's why there were so many processes that I'd gone on. I must say, though, that I've gotten a few, quite a few offers from larger organizations. Mm. Um, however, the process wasn't as grueling.
0: So, why do you think there's such a difference in approaches between the other companies that you sort of got these offers for versus the startup that you took the offer from?
1: First of all, it is not as established, so they don't want to necessarily hire someone who they might lose and they're therefore losing a lot of money because the recruitment process is also very um, costly. So larger companies, it's much easier to let someone go or if they haven't hired the right person, it may take time you know, to train them and build them up to what they expect them to be. startup they want to just crack on to get things up and running and so that's why they want to choose the best people who already know what they're doing in the field of science
0: no that makes perfect sense thank you especially when you are going to be having so much responsibility in terms of designing the labs and being in charge of these experiments they want somebody who is knowledgeable and can be left alone and still deliver yeah definitely So it was a very intentional decision on your part then to go for that startup side. Yes kick. it was.
1: Yes it was because I felt like I would definitely gain more exposure. I'm working closely with other senior members of staff and therefore the chances of me moving up within my career very much high.
0: I've heard this as well from friends who work within the sort of staff environments, they've sort of found the same thing that the growth potential there is really great um if you have the skill set and the knowledge and you're willing to take on extra and go above expectations um and just put the work in yeah yeah you definitely
1: have to be self-motivated and self-driven um obviously they hired me um i don't have all the necessary skills there but i have the majority of them and so i'm I'm looking forward to learning more from other much more experienced scientists there so i'm going to put my foot
0: in and really really go above and beyond no amazing i'm so excited for you um it's a great sort of space to be in and the more i speak to people working in startups i'm like god it looks incredible but i know the amount of work that has to go behind that um (laughs) But I'm very excited to sort of hear your journey. Um, and I can't speak about your sort of journey post PhD without, of course, talking about your skincare company. Are you able to share... Oh. <laughs> Are you able to share something about that um, briefly or is that just putting you on the spot? No, no, no. It's, it's,
1: that's what I'm more excited about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking.
0: aside. So what made you even start a skincare company?
1: Ah, so um, I think whilst I was studying, you know, I was relying so much on student finance or, you know, just a little stipend I got for my PhD scholarship, and I just wanted to get some extra income off of something, and I know I'm very passionate about beauty and skincare, and I thought, okay, I have this scientific expertise, and I really love skincare and the whole natural beauty vibes so i thought oh let me merge the two and actually form something that from which i can get extra income from Mm
0: -hmm. how did you come up with the name
1: um the name dr mary obviously with the title i've never really used my middle name so i thought oh maybe let me use it for that (laughs) and that's really where um the name dr mary came from During this lockdown, I I just happened to have a lot more time to really think about what I want to do and where I want to drive this business. And suddenly it just grew and grew and I developed this amazing moisturizer that's really selling well and managed to feature or collaborate with various um, photographers as well as um, magazines as well. So it's really amazing within a short period of time what I achieved with it.
0: No, it's been incredible to see as well, Um, and I love that it sort of came from a place of not just I want to make more money, because you could have done anything else, you know, but from a place of merging your interests and your skill sets, your expertise to create a product that you are passionate about. How are you finding it then, balancing your entrepreneurship with your new role?
1: Yeah, so, um, I'm very much um, um, an organizer mm. <laughs> or a planner, should I say. So, I do have a, a to do list for every single day. Mm. <laughs> and, um, so, then um, I obviously have my job 9 5. And because at the moment I'm working from home and flexibly in the office as and when I'm, I mean, in the laboratory as and when I'm needed. So, I have more time soon after work. To then focus on the skincare line. At the moment, there's not much that I'm developing beyond processing orders, managing the products, as well as collaborations. And I mostly concentrate on the skincare as well over the weekend. So I do have um, quite a bit of time. Hmm. It's, it's not time that's the issue.
0: <laughs> well, for now, yes, definitely. I think we yeah. all have an yeah. abundance of it. If um, that, in the best case scenario of how this whole situation is playing out it's given us all back a lot of time um yeah. to be able to reflect and to decide like how we want to fill it whether it's through entertainment or if it's just through passion projects um or entrepreneurship and starting you know whole enterprises yeah
1: yeah i definitely want the, the brand to grow and i'm sure over time i would need to really think about taking my um, career and the business
0: side of things so yeah so how have you found sort of the business side of it then because if you're coming from a very scientific research based background how have you found the experience of transferring your skills over from the research environment where it's highly technical highly specific and applying it to this new area which is business project management and all of those things
1: I mean, a vast majority of PhD is actually project management, so I think I've definitely transferred many of these skills to my business. It's more about me being self-driven and self-motivated. I have something to solve. Which is getting skincare out there. I've done the same for my PhDs. I gained the project management skills, and I'm able to transfer that to my business. Very independent, self-driven, self-motivated. That's also transferred to my business, and I'm very much about quality. And that was evident throughout my experiments, my data, and paying attention to detail. All of these are very, very much overlooked skills but when you transfer them into a business setting they're very important and I think that's really helped me to be very successful within a short space of time
0: no no that makes that makes complete sense thank you especially the element about project management is the same principles it's just the project is different yeah yeah okay oh no that's great oh I had a follow up question I was completely gone I was just there like yeah oh my god should I do a phd should I? No, Linda, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do anything
1: apart from three
0: years. I know, but you have to, like, have a real passion for it. Um, Okay, sorry. The reason I'm sort of talking about the PhD experience is because the stats of it, a lot of people don't finish because of how difficult it is, I assume. But how was it for your course? Did everybody you start off with make it to the end or did some people leave change or what did it look like?
1: Um, For me there were 8 of us recruited for the PhD program and 2 dropped out 2 dropped out that I know of mm-hmm. however the stats are 60% that drop out <laughs> <laughs> So your <laughs> course did better scary. than expected <laughs> Yeah it was quite scary for me uh, because I don't know whether I mentioned that I was the only one within my group we hadn't um, completed a master's so um, everybody else had master's degrees so then I thought oh because I don't have it so will I be part of that 50% Mm. but I think PhD on its own is not difficult it is just about you putting in the effort to learn a bit further whoa let's
0: just take a second there because what you're saying is very controversial I feel (laughs) like, really? <laughs> no I don't think so really but I would hear that and be like PhD is hard like that's what made my assumption would be that my goodness you have to have this like extensive work experience or like your master's and have got a distinction to even be you know considered for this thing but you're saying something different that it's about the the input.
1: Yeah, I just really think um, it's not that difficult if you can read papers, if you can uh, <laughs> follow the protocol, <laughs> then you'll be able to answer many of these complex scientific questions um, towards the end. But I think most of it comes from the fact that, you know, when you're studying an undergrad, you, you study for a test. And mm. you study for the test, you write the test, and then you've forgotten all about it. The difference then with a PhD is that you don't get to revise, it's something that you have to learn over time and so you just need that patience Mm -hmm. and that dedication to really um, be involved or engrossed in your studies for three years, that's essentially how I felt about it.
0: (laughs) No, no, that makes sense, that makes sense, thank you. So if someone's sitting there considering, you know, alternative career paths, alternative areas of interest, how do you go about deciding whether a PhD is the right decision for you? And more importantly, the research question, because earlier you said when you Uh. applied, it wasn't based on institution, but on the supervisor. How do you come about deciding on that research question? Did it come to you or did you do research and then sort of pick one?
1: Uh, right, so I was actually working in a diagnostic lab where I was measuring vitamin D, and so I don't know. I just suddenly thought to myself, why not research on vitamin D? Because obviously, vitamin D deficiency is more common in black people here in the UK, and that's what I was seeing every time I was reporting many of the results in the diagnostic lab, and so I just developed that interest, and I then wanted to then merge that with my drug development interest I had anyway throughout my undergraduate studies. And so, lucky I just came across this topic. It was already advertised as vitamin D receptor regulation of drug metabolizing enzymes. I knew that was a project that I wanted to do and I contacted the supervisor and he was really, really lovely and really amazing. I cannot stress how much it is important to have a good supervisor, <laughs> because if your supervisor will be the future of your PhD, you will either love your PhD or you will really hate your PhD.
0: So how do you decide if a supervisor is right for you?
1: just um, communicating with the potential supervisor and really finding out what they're looking for, finding out the background of the project in itself will help you to make the right decision and that helped me, so yeah. Uh, like I said, I wasn't going to Northern Ireland because of the place, <laughs> it was really, definitely not, it was really just the project and you can see that it's an isolated place and yeah. I wouldn't just go there for any
0: other apart from that so with your supervisor experience and finding the right one I think anyone who had to complete a dissertation can relate to that definitely because you know you have to apply for a specific project area and then you have different lecturers who are in charge of that area then you work Uh, under them um and you're right about if your leadership is great and they're passionate and they are willing to share information and expand your knowledge in that area as well and support you it can be a really positive positive yeah. experience overall um and it sounds a little bit like that but just more intense <laughs> yeah yeah so when you came out of it then what are the opportunities
1: like um, I had so many industry-based opportunities, should I say. I think it's mainly because of the pandemic and they needed a lot of personnel within the labs testing and all. Mm-hmm. So that was um, a major, major opportunity that I have and so I just pursued that for about two months. I've had a lot of opportunities with various startups as well, but then it's a matter of choosing the best fit for you in terms of which area, drug development or is it immunology or cardiology or whichever field that you'd want. My PhD has also opened up a lot more exposure in terms of networking with a lot of other scientists as well. I think that LinkedIn has opened up a lot more conversations and opportunities to network to really speak about what people are doing. And lastly, there's so many recruiting agencies. I never really thought I would get a job via an agency. Once you have your CV out there and you've got your PhD and you list all those skills that you've gained throughout your PhD your CV becomes much more attractive and you get all these uh, recruiting agencies actually looking for you Mm. and um, obviously it doesn't mean that you're getting the job, you still have to go for the interviews to sell yourself but um, you are more attractive for recruitment in that sense, yeah.
0: No, that that makes a lot of sense. Because of the skill set that you have, you have increased exposure and you have increased interest in you as a candidate and they start coming to you and offering you those positions and when you have places like LinkedIn where they can just browse through your profile, you get those, is it DMs? I don't know if it's on LinkedIn, (laughs) messages? Um, It's the same messages Yeah. (laughs) I like, get a DM from a recruiter, now you get a message from a recruiter. Sort of, you know, are you interested in this role? We see that you have X, Y, Z. That's the message yeah. you want to get. Anyone who is sort of is looking, I highly recommend going through an agency, just because yep. you get to have that conversation. I don't know if you found this, where you outline like what industry you want to be in and what specifically you are looking for, because they get commissioned. They're as invested as you are in matching yep. you up. So they will sort of put in that back-end work to sort of find those opportunities that they know will be attractive to you because the sooner you love it and can go for it, the sooner that the company that they are hiring for loves it and connects with you as well, like the sooner they can get paid Um, versus going one by one, multiple applications, multiple CVs, multiple cover letters. I think agency is a really smart way to go. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I
1: think so, and you get a lot of help as well from them in terms of interviews
0: because they do want you to get the role. We'll talk a little bit about Ireland, if you don't mind. Like, yes. if sort of you move over, you're, you know, PhD candidate. You're excited. What does that first year look like? Those first few experiences and sort of like adjusting.
1: I think I was quite lucky because the cohort of my PhD students were relatively international students. I mean, I had colleagues from Cyprus, Japan, the United States. So because we all didn't know other people, we sort of connected and formed a friendship group as work colleagues. I must say though, it was very difficult to form friendship outside of that circle because Northern Irish folk are very traditional mm. and so I was used to party life in London uh, <laughs> like um, during the weekend but now that the Northern Irish students, they tend to go home and the campus is totally empty over the weekend Oh my goodness so, um, Yeah, so then it was just us, international students together So
0: it was very difficult to then form lots of friendships with the locals there. Okay, so my next question would be how do you connect with the rest of the student body, so the master students, the undergrads um, and how you get to socialise, maybe even across schools, so you have your PhD cohort, right? Yeah. There'll be other PhD cohorts, how is that connecting experience and making friends that way?
1: I mean, Um, You just had to make the most of the opportunities that you had. Like, we had journal clubs where we get different PhD students from different departments. Then we somehow got to know each other through that or there are societies that you can join. But then very much up to you to go out there and be exposed to those environments.
0: How was your experience overall then? Was it predominantly positive or did you experience any cultural differences and awkward, Uh, if not uncomfortable, situations?
1: Well, to be fair, I really loved it. Mm. The the Irish are very welcoming. As I say, they're very traditional. So I think they cherish people a lot. Mm. And I've never been on a train journey without someone holding a good conversation with me. It's very different compared to when you're walking in London and everybody's pushing (laughs) at you. Everybody just is minding their own business. In Northern Ireland, life is so much lower. people talk to you wherever you go, supermarket, train, bus, anyway, they do hold a conversation with you, Mm. and so I really liked that about the, yeah, I genuinely had positive um, experience. No, that's really good,
0: because when you say traditional, sometimes people can get worried that, oh no, like, it might be like a negative thing, but it's actually... Um, um, a po- it's just a different thing, isn't it? So, yeah, it's
1: like, very much family oriented, yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, so like students going away and going home over the weekend, and that being so universal that like the whole campus is, you know, almost empty completely. Um, yeah. And people still being, you know, conversational on commute. But we can't use London as an example because London is just different.
1: Yeah, um, London is different.
0: <laughs> and you just, you just have to be that way because. Although you can be a super friendly person, like being in London long enough and sitting on the Northern Line long enough, you're gonna be also tired and you know you don't
1: want to talk to anybody. Yeah, I can't imagine.
0: <laughs> so, would you go back? Oof. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to visit you. Yes. I did feel a bit isolated from mm. my family my family's in England so I just didn't like the fact that I'd have to get on a plane to see my friends family you know yeah. and um, life varies very slow it's a shock only if you are from London such a busy place to Northern mm. Ireland where shops are far and in between I mean you have to travel an hour to get to a normal mall or Nando's I mean, I mean Nando's yeah like he's an hour
0: away (laughs) oh but did anyone stay anyone on your cohort choose to remain in
1: colline oh yeah yeah he actually did stay coming from japan yeah
0: so what made him stay do you think
1: i think that he really really liked the irish culture he liked the food i mean he liked the slowness, um the people that they do connect with him i mean that's very much an extreme compared to Japan, where the life there is very fast and very much strict, and the working hours are much longer. And I think that he really enjoyed the slowness and the fact that people do connect. It's not just about work, go yeah. home, work, long hours.
0: Oh no, that makes sense. So he enjoyed that cultural yeah. change one of the questions that i wanted to ask you is that is there any tradition or way of working or anything like that that you saw there that you wish england would adopt more
1: yeah so um i really like that in northern ireland it's very much no place and because everybody is thinking about family things like friday afternoon everybody's going home by two 2 p.m. you know whereas I think in the UK here we just work 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 and we just have little time and the quality of life becomes reduced so to speak because we're just focused on work get home we're tired and that Mm. routine every single day.
0: I like that as well I think that'll be like a good thing to to carry over is that balance that work-life balance and I think Yeah with everything that's happening at the moment our current like situation it's a lot more easier to adopt that and have that family time because realistically where are you going you
1: know yeah i mean i've got things done i've got things done in northern ireland on a four and a half day week so Mm. why couldn't we do it here as well in england
0: so changing gears a bit and thinking about mindset and your approach from our conversation, I will say that your focus, you have this long-standing passion for drug development and you are pursuing it aggressively. You know, you've gone for uh, yeah, like, your yeah. PhD, you knew what kind of company you wanted to work for and it sounds like something that's very intentional and that you've been cultivating. Was there like a starting point for that or is that just something that's been inherent in all your studying?
1: So for me, I think I developed this drive in my undergrad. I think only in my third year. (laughs) Mm. my first year, grades were not great and everything was not well. But then transitioning on to my third year, I was really self-motivated. I began to read a lot and Mm. I then developed this sense of I just want to have some sort of purpose within myself and how can I best use my skills or knowledge to fulfill that purpose. And that is what really drives me every single day. I want to be an expert in the drug industry because I feel that I have a lot of knowledge and skills to combat diseases, Mm. and that is what drives me. That is what drives me. I'm very passionate about health, and so, um, yeah, this job fulfills me.
0: What's one piece of advice then you give to somebody who is studying biomedical sciences, biochemistry in that field and is looking to develop that drive and pursue this career?
1: I think the best advice is if you do want that drive and if you want to set that mindset, do something that you really love. Choose a career that you really love, something that you're going to wake up and be excited about every single day. If you don't like science, don't go for sciences.
0: I would second that advice. Um, I followed that advice as somebody who studied biochemistry, and that is the extent of her career in biochemistry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, unlike Kay, hey, I was not a fan of lab work, even though it was relaxing, I'm not going to lie, because it was a bit repetitive, but yeah. it just didn't ignite that same passion that it does for you um yes. that has been propelling you forward as much as it has been so far so in terms of your personal development and instead sort of sharpening your mindset and your approach are you the kind of person who likes to read the developmental books personal development books and are there, are there any that you would share i
1: uh, funny you say that because i think the stereotype for phd um candidates is that you read a lot of books but um i'm not much of a reader of these self-motivation self-help books instead i want to build that oh i want to grow a unique path for myself and redefine my seats without having to rely heavily on other people's experiences or their words so to speak Mm. so definitely someone who's self-motivated and i do read books but then more to relax rather than to motivate and um, all that
0: i think that's really great to share because not everyone likes that kind of thing and i am one of those people that loves those kinds of books (laughs) Uh, but not everyone works the same way um because for you it's like more like that self-motivation it comes from within and you're able to just fire from there and like get things done so for you how do you find that process then when you are sort of propelling yourself forward and what's your process i mean I'm
1: someone who's driven by results. Mm. I want to see something at the end of the day. And I think that's one of the things that motivated me to start a business where I can actually start a project and see the results. Mm. And a PhD as well, I have this um, question that I'm asking and I work so hard and I see the results at the end. So I think for me, it's just that satisfaction of getting to the end and Mm. seeing the results That is
0: what keeps me going. So since we're at the start of a new year, I'm going to assume you have some resolutions. If you could share maybe one or two big goals for this year, things that you are working on and what results you're hoping to get from it.
1: I definitely want to establish myself within my role. So just getting as much skills as possible on my CV. And I guess um, personal development, Physical health, I think I want to
0: focus on that as well. What's one piece of advice you wish you'd followed early on in your journey? Don't date. <laughs> 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 oh my god, but you still made it. I
1: did make it just about <laughs> on a serious note. I did encounter quite a bit of negativity and I guess that set me back or that discouraged me. I remember reconsidering my scholarship offer for my PhD and I was calling a bunch of people to ask them if I really should take on my PhD and this was based off of doubts from uh, a lot of people were saying, oh PhD for you, you're so young, it's so difficult or you know all this negative energy you know but I decided not to listen to that and really follow my guts and what I really wanted to do. I was really scared because I didn't have a master's because that's the expectation.
0: That's the truth of the matter, isn't it? It's like self-doubt of I don't have what most people have when they come into this.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the assumptions,
0: isn't it? Like you don't know enough about yeah. it.
1: Like... Not a lot of people have done it have gone this path mm. and so it's really me driving myself and putting me in
0: the deep end, it was a risk that I took. Yeah, and you just have to trust yourself and the decision you made, because you're the one who's done the research and looked into it. Yeah, Um,
1: and I I mean, I go in, it saves a lot. yeah, Yeah, definitely. that um i I personally found undergrad um, a lot more difficult only because of the obviously you've you've got the exam if you fail the exam you failed whereas if you fail an experiment in your phd you do it again and you can also record those failed results and um, talk about them in your thesis so to me it's i think (laughs) i was really under pressure in my undergrad more than in my phd
0: so how does the assessment look like then at PhD level if, if it's not examination?
1: All ah, right. So initially you have a 100-day a 100 days after you started the PhD program, they just assess the feasibility of the thesis on its own. Mm. You have your supervisor there, you present 10-minute PowerPoint on your proposed project and what you're going to do to achieve it and the time frame. So everything has to be achieved within the three-year time frame, obviously. That's usually something that's passed by everybody. And then shortly after, about two months or so, you have a confirmation waiver. So um, what they don't tell you is that when you initially get into a PhD program, you're registered for an m -M And so you get through to a master's in philosophy rather than a doctorate. To cross over to the other side of the bridge, you need to pass the confirmation fibre where they really assess your ability to complete this task and also the feasibility of the the project um, more extensively. So uh, this time, the presentation is a lot longer and the questions are more in-depth and the report that you submit is much more in-depth as well. I've never heard of anybody who failed drastically. Usually you get to repeat the examination on its own. Mm. Lastly, you have your final viva after you've submitted your complete thesis and for me that was grueling three, mi- three hours, or oh, I will say three <laughs> minutes, I wish it was. <laughs> yeah. It was three, three hours of external and internal examiners assessing my entire thesis. So just a few questions here and there on each experiment or methodology or approach that I included in my thesis just to make sure I wrote the work mm. in all mine and I really understood
0: and took ownership of the project so yeah that sounds like a much more pleasant experience that initially envisioned yeah. to be honest because um, uh-huh. it just sounds like okay you want to be an expert how are you going to go about it that's all they care about and you just proving your approach your methodology and presenting back the results just to confirm your, 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 yeah. your role in getting the results
1: yeah. I mean, if you've read about a certain topic for three years, mm-hmm. when you get to the final liver, you would have something to talk about, surely. So it's,
0: it's not you would that strange that. as strange
1: um, as having a right or wrong answer like in an undergrad um, exam. Yeah. That's very true. Can I just add one more thing? I should have added it with this, um, advice to give to myself. There was a lot of people actually undertaking biomedical sciences Course, So there was this um, stereotype that everybody's going to be doing the same thing. You're going to be in the lab and you're going to be doing A, B and C's routine. You know, all these labs, you know, these NHS laboratories. They're very easy, very repetitive. And um, yeah, however, um, there are so many routes that you can take with a biomedical science degree. I'm an example of that. I didn't stick to that. You can grow your career, you can expand, study further yourself to other different scientific fields and you still get the benefits of being in the lab and then explore much much larger field of science yeah and you will really enjoy it
0: no thank you for adding that i think that's really important in terms of the options that you have it really is wide because you are also considering going into academia yeah
1: um I mean, academia was an option for me prior to joining this startup. There are opportunities to teach. I didn't mention that throughout my PhD, I went a series of um, courses to train how to teach. And I also had opportunities to teach undergraduate students for various modules. Hmm. And the opportunities that a PhD opens for you is obviously that route of becoming a lecturer as well because you're now an expert in that field and it's a matter of getting a diploma. I think it's a diploma in teaching and then you get trainee lecturer, so to speak, and then you get qualified. That's a route that I was considering as a postdoc, but usually postdoctoral trainings are quite contractual, So it may be a year contract, three-year contract. but I really wanted to be stable in a role, so that's why I opted for the industry-based role.
0: Would you consider it sort of in the future then? Um, if you do this for a while, is that something that still remains open to you? Um, I think
1: I would teach part-time mm. later, later, later on in life. <laughs> as They've long as much. I'm still working, I'm still gaining the skills and experience right now, I definitely will be open to that later.
0: Oh, incredible. Oh, I'm so excited for you and the sort of way you take this this journey Thank because you. you are at the start almost but only because you've just finished one stage and you are yes. at this new new bit but the opportunities are incredible and they are plenty yeah yeah
1: I'm excited as well and um yeah we we'll look forward to what this year brings 2021
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you realise like as we are recording this the first week of 2021 hasn't even finished yet oh yeah we're still in week one, and there's been a lot. There's,
1: there's been a lot, lot. going on. <laughs>
0: oh Yeah, me too. I'm just hoping it's just we make it. Like, I'm not gonna lie. That's, like, number one on my New Year's resolutions is make it through. <laughs> yeah. After a short chat, Kay reflected on what she thinks has been the biggest contributor to her success so far. So I've just added that in here
1: I think one of the assumptions is that I'm very intelligent just because I did a PhD and the answer is no I am not I just put in the work. if I show you my A-level results right now I'm sure you'd disown me (laughs) (laughs) but I think it's more about just putting in the work that's why i really did emphasize that for me undergraduate was difficult because i had to put in extra effort to pass the exams Hmm. but um, i think that intelligence is not measured in your phd you are measured on your commitment your dedication to a certain topic for three years
0: (laughs) no that makes sense it links into what you said before about being results driven yeah like, yeah do you work yeah. hard and get the results
1: yeah so then it's not about okay completing this task and that's it it's literally putting being hands on getting to grips with the project the nitty-gritties of it, are getting the results you can see the results you're happy with them yes
0: no thank you yeah that's yeah. it because to be fair that's what um chantelle said as well she said like i'm just a normal person I'm just a normal person and she's just putting the work in as well and just, you know, showing up every day. Um, It's not about being some unicorn, it's about just the consistency and just putting in the work.
1: Yeah, you just put in the work. It's it's nothing to do with how smart you are. As I said, I didn't um, go in with a master's degree and all that. I literally Mm. had lab experience and that got me that scholarship.
0: Yeah, but that's not sexy, is it? People don't want to hear that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for speaking with me, Kay. Um, You're welcome. I don't think I'll be taking on a PhD anytime soon.
1: Oh, I didn't spell it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely did. You absolutely did. I think in terms of my perspective of it now, it's that if I ever had a question, Or, an area that I felt passionately about and wanted to really get to the root of the answer, then I would pursue a PhD. Um, But as it stands,